Praise God. You know, when you come into church, uh, so often you come with all that has happened in your life throughout the week. And there's a transfer that takes place when you enter into worship. You actually move from one plane of living to another plane. It is that when you now enter into worship, you're now coming from this plane where the world and all the circumstances and the situations of the world invade your life. But when you make a decision, because it is a decision that you make to worship, you know, you can either decide I'm going to come and be entertained, I'm going to come and watch what's happening on the stage, or you can make the decision I'm coming to worship God. And it doesn't matter what the lights are doing, what the songs are, what anything is going on. I'm going to worship God. And there is where the transfer takes place. You now get into a plane where anything can happen. You get into an area where now God can break in in ways that are beyond our understanding. And I'm praying that that will happen more and more for us here at Riverside. We're so pleased that you're here. Already you've been told that um, we're thrilled you're here if you're here for the first time. And if you're part of our congregation that is watching online this morning, we welcome you. And um, just as we have been going through this part of the service, I trust that you have had your moment in front of whatever screen you may be looking at and, and open your heart to God. Don't just look at the screen, enter into the service, throw your heart towards God and watch what God will do for you. But we are so thrilled that you're watching this morning online. Now, as you've been reminded already, next Sunday morning will actually be Easter Sunday. Uh, and as we have heard, we won't be meeting here, we'll be at the Civic Center. Uh, I'm feeling a mountain excitement going on in the city uh, of people that are making their minds up they're going to be there. In fact, I'm wondering whether the room that we've reserved is going to be big enough. But wouldn't that be a fantastic problem to have? So next Sunday morning is the morning where we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Actually, you know, the resurrection is why we have church on Sundays. I, I don't know whether you know that. It is that um, the, the disciples, the apostles, they wanted to now um, recognize the fact that Jesus died, but that he rose from the dead. And the fact of Jesus being alive is the central beam, if I can put it that way, of our faith. The cross is wonderful, and I'm going to talk to you about the cross in, the, in a moment, but I want to tell you, friends, the very fact that Jesus not only died, but rose again from the dead is the central fact of our Christian faith, and we celebrate it Whenever you walk through these doors on a Sunday morning, you're saying, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I believe that we are not serving a dead God. We are serving an alive God. We are serving a Savior who has been resurrected. And he is in this place this morning. So it is so important that we come together like this and we remember the fact of the resurrection of Jesus. This morning, however, I want to concentrate on what happened before the resurrection 
actually some words from the cross that Jesus spoke before he died. Uh, and, and by the way, next Friday is Good Friday, and um, the church is going to be open from uh, nine in the morning until three in the afternoon for you to come and just meditate before the Lord. The cross will be central on the stage here, and you can come anytime between nine and three. You can come for the whole time if you want, or you can just come in when you've got time, uh, and just come and spend time here in this sanctuary, uh, and just come and kneel before the Lord. We have found over the years that this has been a great moment for people who have been held by addictive things, to come and lay those things at the cross. And so sometimes we've had um, whiskey bottles left at the cross. We've had uh, drug paraphernalia left at the cross. We've had cigarettes left at the cross. And, and, And people have found freedom in just coming into the presence of God on Good Friday, spending time at the cross and believing for that to be a fresh start for them. And uh, they have moved into a new day in their lives. So that's going to happen from 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And then at 6.30 next um, Friday night, Good Friday night, we will be having a communion service here. And um, I'll be finishing this whole series on the sayings of Jesus um, before he died. So um, be, be aware of that and be a part of that. Now, let's read John 19 and verse 30. And it says there, when he had received the drink, you remember that they gave him to drink some vinegar, and um, uh, when they had, he had received this drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know, in the Greek language, the word it, the words it is finished is just one word. The word is teletestai, and it means it is finished. These were the most triumphant words that came from Jesus as he was on the cross. You notice that he didn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. It's important that you make that distinction. You see, when he says, it is finished, there were a number of things that were happening in that moment. First of all, they were words of faith, because he had not actually finished what he had come to do. He had not actually completed the plan of God for his life. He still had to die. It was that he still had to present his blood to God as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He still had to rise from the dead to show that sin and death was conquered once and for all. And so the full work of redemption, the full work of Jesus was not done when he spoke those words, it is finished. But what he was saying is this, Now that I've come this far, I'm not going back. Now I've brought this plan to this moment. There's no turning back. I'm going to complete what God has given me to do, what the Father has asked me to do. It is finished. It's words of faith. I am going to complete what God wants me to do. They were also words of certainty. It was certain that the complete victory would be won. 
He was speaking with certainty that he would now present his blood to God as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. It was a certainty in his mind and heart that he would actually rise from the dead and be seen by over 500 people on earth before he ascended to heaven. It was a certainty that he would now bring eternal salvation to everyone who would accept it, to everyone that opened their hearts to him. He would give them eternal salvation. It was a certainty. Not only was it words of faith and certainty, but it was, they were words of commitment. Jesus knew that he was a part of something bigger than just what was happening in the moment on Calvary. He knew that his coming to earth was no accident. He knew that he was a part of this gigantic plan of God formed before the foundation of the world. He knew that he was the center of all history. He knew that his story would now change history. The story of Jesus, his story would change history. He knew that every part of his life in being on earth from beginning to end were all a part of his destiny. Destiny was attached to his life. And it was that he knew that. He knew, he knew that his birth was a gigantic moment in history. He knew that his life proved his destiny, the miracles, the wonders, the signs, his teachings. They were all now pointing to the fact of who he was, that he was actually the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for. He was actually the Son of God. As he faced this crucifixion, he knew that this was all part of the plan. It was a plan of God, and it was God's plan that he should die here. He refused. He refused to see his life as insignificant. He refused to see his life as simply being alive, and now he was going to die. He refused to see it like that. He refused to allow yesterday's or today's circumstances to deter him from doing the Father's will and now seeing his destiny fulfilled. You see, having started to do God's will, having come to earth and put into action the plan of God, he was now committed even in the midst of his worst day, in the midst of the worst day that he'd ever experienced on earth, he was now where he was and he was saying that he was ready and willing to fulfill what God's plan was all about. The plan would be carried to completion. The dream would become a reality. See friends, this morning just as I believe that God had a plan for Jesus... I believe that God has a plan for my life and a destiny for my life. And I believe that God has a plan and a destiny for your life. It is, friends, and it's so important that you understand this, whoever you are here this morning. And I prayed, oh God, don't let it be that people are so used to John King's voice that they don't hear your voice this morning. Oh God, will you now open the ears of people to hear your voice Speaking into their hearts, because this is what I want to tell you this morning, friends. It's not how you start, it's how you finish that counts. 
Hey, hey, let that drop. It's not how you start, it's how you're finished. It's not how you started walking with Jesus, it's how you finish that counts. It's not finding your destiny that counts, it's whether you will complete your destiny. It's whether you will fulfill the plan of God for your life. It is a committing to destiny. And committing to it not only on the good days, but on the bad days too. It is saying, I'm a man, I'm a woman of destiny, even when all hell is breaking loose against me. I'm a man, a woman of destiny, even though it is that I'm in the middle of the world's worst day as far as I'm concerned for my life. See, friends, listen, it's not how you start the marriage that counts, it's till death do us part that counts. Oh, oh yes, and, and not only that, it's not how you start parenting. It's how you commit to growing your kids into being who God wants them to be. It's your commitment to realizing that you haven't got your kids by chance. They're given to you by God. And you now have a real great responsibility before God in raising children in the fear and nurture of the Lord. It's not how you started that job that counts. It's that it's the will of God for your life. And that you understand that he's your boss. Not the boss that you see every day. No, 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 not, not the manager that is over you. No, no, no. As far as your job is concerned, wherever you work, whatever you're doing, you have one boss. His name is Jesus. And the fact is you are serving Jesus. When you are working, when you are doing what you're doing, you are serving Jesus. That leads to another thing. It's not how you start serving God that counts. Oh, no, friends. It's that you keep serving him that counts. Say hello for me. <laughs> Tell them they ought to be in church. As I have looked and seen both in the scriptures and also in great people of God who I've admired and followed for many years, I found this, that finishers make choices. They, they make choices. They choose how they're going to live their lives. They never drift from day to day. They never get up in the morning and say another old day. They never, they never go to bed at night and say, oh, I, I, I wish I never wake up. No, no, no. They are people who make choices for their lives and they live their lives deliberately. You see, the choices of finishers. You see, it's important to note that Jesus had the choice to quit. That it could have been that he quit what he was sent to do. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said when Peter now tried to stop the soldiers from arresting him, when it was that Peter stood in the way and even took a sword and cut off a guy's ear, and Jesus had to pick up the ear and put it back, and Jesus says to him, Peter, don't you know? He says, at this very minute I could call 10,000 legions of angels to come and destroy the world and set me free. He said, Peter, don't you know I've got a choice here? I can go through with what God wants me to do or I can call angels that will come and rescue me. 
But he chose not to quit. He chose to carry out the plan. He chose to live out his destiny. Destiny is what we're sent to earth to do, friends. It has nothing to do with heaven. It has everything to do with earth. It is that there's a destiny for your life. There's a destiny for my life. And whether we fulfill it, friends, is very much our choice. Jesus now, he was determined to live out his destiny. He knew that it was God's plan to slay him. He knew all that it would mean. He knew about the pain. He knew about the agony. But he chose to finish well. He says, I know what it's going to mean. But I am choosing. I'm making the choice. I am choosing to finish well. I am going to fulfill my father's will. I am going to fulfill the dream that was set in motion before the foundation of the earth. I am going to make salvation possible to the whole of mankind. I'm going to make a way to heaven for everyone who will call on the name of the Lord. He says, I'm going to finish, fulfill the plan and assure that every human being has the opportunity and has the chance to know that they have and can have eternal life. How many thank God this morning that Jesus chose to fulfill the plan of God. He chose to finish well. You see, finishers make right choices. So they cannot and will not quit. They now make choices that says, I can't quit and I will not quit. Uh, They choose commitments to finish well. See, there are people who make decisions to be married for life. And they choose to stay in their marriage for life. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. They choose to love and to cherish until death parts us. They also make tough choices with regard to their children. They choose to be people who are going to leave a positive legacy in their kids. They commit to time, giving time to bring up their kids in the fear and nurture of the Lord. They make decisions with regard to their kids that it will be that they cannot guarantee that their kids will follow on to serve the Lord and, and to be all that God wants them to be. But they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that their kids know about Jesus and that they know that there's a way of following God and going on with God into their adulthood. You know, I, I get fearful about some parents because they're more concerned about their children's schooling than they are their kids' eternal destiny. I talked, I talked to um, a lady once, and um, she came up to me at the front here, and she was worried. I could see the worry on her face, and I said, what are you worried about? And she said, you know, my kids are getting deeper and deeper into God. She said, she said they, 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 they're becoming 
They, they, they're becoming almost like religious fanatics. They're, they're praying every night before they go to sleep and their Bible's always open when I go in to tidy up their room. The Bible is there and I can see they're reading their Bible every day. And now, now she says, what's really causing me fear is that they're talking about being missionaries and going to serve Jesus wherever he wants them to go. And she says, I'm concerned about that. I want them to get a career. I want them to make their way. I want them to earn money. And, and friends, how many know that as she got unburdening this stuff out of her life, I was having to control anger inside of me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you see, friends, I fear for some Christians' kids. I fear that there are some kids who, because of their parents' lack of commitment to God and lack of commitment to the destiny of God on their lives and the lack of commitment to their children, that, that, that it is that they, they now are endangering their kids' spiritual future. You see, friends, you may not believe it, but your kids are watching you. You, you, you may not believe it, but they're looking at the way that you're living out your Christian life and they're making decisions about their lives based on your life. And if they see your lack of desire and your lack of desire for the Word and your lack of desire for prayer and your lack of desire to be in the house of God, that is going to bleed into them, friends. And my fear is that when they grow up... They now not only will not be following, not only not be in church, they won't be following Jesus. We have to make decisions. My prayer every day is that my kids and my grandkids will know Jesus on earth and will walk with Jesus and me in heaven. My prayer every day. Oh no, don't get me wrong. I, I want as many people as possible in heaven. Everyone who I get in touch with, everyone that I talk to, I look for opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. But, but I want to tell you, when it comes to my kids and my grandkids, there's something that I, I have to tell you, they have a bit of a priority. And if I want to leave my legacy anywhere, friends, it's in my kids and my grandkids. Oh, oh no, you know, Paul, Paul was very, very concerned about his own life. He says, I'm concerned that having preached to others, I myself am a castaway. And friends, I'm determined by the grace and help of God that I'm going to finish well. Not only because I want to fulfill the plan of God and do the will of God, but I want my kids to see at least one person, at least one person that is absolutely committed to God and is following Jesus and who says that Jesus is the answer and the only way and the only truth and the only life I want them to see that in me and I want it to bleed into them. I can't guarantee that happening, but I tell you as much as is in me, I'm going to pray for that to happen. I want to finish my spiritual journey well and you need to know that I, I, I have great concerns because there are greater pastors than I that are falling right now. There are greater people than I that I'm... I've admired for years and years that there are huge questions about right now. And I fell on my face before God Friday night when I heard of another one. And I said, oh God. 
I want you to keep me. I can't do it on my own, but I want you to keep me. Will you keep me pure? Will you keep me on the straight road? Oh God, if, if for nothing else, for my kids and my grandkids. Oh God, how, how many know all of us who are in any kind of leadership, we're wondering who's going to come out and say something And they come out and say things, whether it's true or false these days. But the fact is this. I say, God, I need to look you in the face today and say, God, please, will you do something in me that it will be that I will leave a legacy in my kids and my grandkids. I want to bless the church. I want to bless your people. But God, God, my kids and my grandkids. Um. Another choice that great finishers make is that they choose that when the storms come, they will cling to God and his will. In their lifetimes, they know that there's going to be life-threatening, faith-threatening circumstances at least a few times in their lifetime. They know that those things are going to happen. You know, the Bible never says storms may come. They say it says storms will come. But they've made the choice that whatever storms come, they're going to cling to God and His will. They know that disappointments are going to come. They know that difficulties are going to come. They know there's financial challenges. They know that there's death that's going to invade families and friends as, and they will all come along. But finishers, finishers make a choice. They choose to stand and keep the faith, even though they don't understand what's going on around them. Even though all hell is broken loose, and it is that the storm is raging in family, friends, and in the world. They've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Finishers make the tough choice, and it's a tough choice that they're going to finish well. They are determined to finish well. You know, the Apostle Paul had been infected by the same spirit that was in his master, Jesus, and he was determined to finish well, and he was talking to a younger pastor named Timothy. Listen to what he said. 1 Timothy 4, 3, 8. He says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Then Paul says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness. He is saying, hey, Timothy, bad times will come towards the end of time. Uh, and and as, as, as it will be, people will want to change the truth, the truth of Scripture into something that's more comfortable to their palate and more tasteful to their palate. 
They will want to follow their own desires and not the will of God. In the last days, he says, they will chase after myths and anything that will just tickle their fancy. They will chase after it rather than standing and living for the truth of Jesus Christ. But he said, Timothy, I want you to know. He says, I am determined to follow Jesus to the end. You see, Timothy, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion. And I believe in the Holy Church. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Timothy, Timothy, you're going to have to be careful and you're going to have to be ready to stand up in the testing times that are going to come. He says, if you're going to finish well, you need now to make your choice. You need to decide, never mind what storm is raging, in that whatever is going on around you, that it is that you're going to stand true to the faith of Jesus Christ. He says, bad times will come. There will be faith-shaking times, faith-shaking storms that you have to decide that whatever comes, I'm going to finish well. Now, as I finish out this little talk this morning, I want to give you some tips on how to finish well. I want you to make a note of these things. If I want anything for Riverside, I want us all to finish well. Here's the first thing that you need to do. You need to burn all your bridges behind you. Commit to God that whatever your past has been, from today you will live for destiny. From today you will live for the will of God. That from today it's his will that you want to fulfill in your lives. That it is that I'm burning the past behind me. I'm leaving the past behind me. I am committing to God. But now I'm going to live for destiny. It is that we need to commit that whatever happens, we're going to cling to God and rely on his help to finish well. We need to come to a place of committing to our spouse that we're going to finish this well, that we're going to complete our course, that we're going to do the will of God, and we're going to love each other until death parts us. Amen. I mean that. We need to commit to our kids that we're going to show what living for God is really like. We need to commit to our kids. We're going to live for God in such a way that you'll see, at least in us, what living for God is like. And then we need to commit that whatever storm comes, you're going to stand and not quit. We need to get to the place where we say there's nothing worth quitting for. Oh no, when you look at what God has done in our lives and what the future holds for us, there is nothing worth quitting for. And we are committed to him. There's nothing worth holding on to the past for. 
So burn your bridges behind you. That means even your blessings, friends. The blessings that you've enjoyed in the past. Blessings of the past are wonderful. Thank God for them. But let's go for something fresh. Let's say there's more for us. Many churches are trying to hold on to yesterday's blessing. Who wants stale blessings? Oh, friends, I don't want what I had back then. I want what God's got for me now. I I want to say that God is a God that is saying, I want to take you on. I don't want to take you back. I want to take you on. I, I know the future can be frightening, friends, but let's go for it. Will we fail? Maybe we will. But you know, I have more respect for someone who has tried and failed than someone who has never tried. And so we commit to going forward. And then here's the second thing. You need to lock yourselves in so you don't quit. Lock in to God's vision for your life. Lock in to God's word. Lock in to his purpose for your life. You say, well, I'm trying to find that out. We want to help you find that out. Talk with us. Determine that there's no going back. Lock yourselves in to the will of God so you cannot quit. You know, in the olden days of sailboats, Sailors who feared being swept overboard in a storm and lost at sea. They, they would tie themselves, they would strap themselves to the main mast of the ship. And so what they were saying is, if the ship goes down, I'm going down. But if the ship stays up, I'll be safe. Well, friends, listen, we are to strap ourselves into God. And I've got news for you this morning. He ain't going down. Oh, listen, friend. He isn't going down. You see, people who finish well, they tie themselves into the will of God. They say, God, I am tied into your will. I'm strapped into your will. They face every storm of life lashed into God and his will for their lives. There's no turning back. They are locked in. There's nowhere else that they can go. Let me tell you a commitment that God has made when you strap into his will. Philippians 1.6 For I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. He's committed to you finishing his plan in your life. Now quickly, one final thing. Not only strap yourself into the will of God, but fix your heart. By that, I mean fix your heart on God. Fix your heart on his will. Fix your heart on fulfilling his vision. David sang in Psalm 57 verse 7. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed on you. Oh, I beg you, make the commitment. My heart is fixed. I've got nowhere else to go but to you, God. I'm committed to your will for my life, your plan, your purposes for my life.
my heart is fixed on you. You know, a few Christmases ago, a friend had the following words framed and, and given to me as a Christmas gift. I have it on the wall over my desk in my office at the church. And it says this, until I'm committed, there is hesitancy, a chance to draw back. But the moment, the moment I definitely commit myself, then God moves also. And a whole stream of events erupt. All manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and material assistance, which I could never have dreamed would come my way, begin to flow towards me the moment I commit. God works for committed people. People who are surrendered to Him. People who are given to His will. There's going to be challenging times in the future, yes. But God works with those who are committed to Him. And they will know God moving in their life and in their work. I ask this morning, for your life's sake. For your family's sake. For God's sake. This God who is about to do something mighty. Hey friends, we're on the verge of something mighty happening. Not only in the church, but throughout the world. Lock yourselves into commitment. Fix your heart on God. Fix your heart on His will. And not your own will. Fix your heart and say, I'm going to finish well. Jesus says, it is finished. Statement of faith, statement of certainty, a statement of commitment. This morning, we've left the communion right to the end. Communion was meant to be a time where we reiterate our commitment to God. Commitment, uh, a communion is given so that we can come to God and say, God, I, I want to finish well. But with your help, I know I will. But God, I need you more than ever in my life. I'm committing my life to you. I'm fixing my, my heart on you. Oh God, I'm strapping myself into your will. It's your will, your purpose, your destiny for my life. And as we take the bread and the cup, we're saying whatever the cost, there'll be a day when I will say, it is finished. And I'll finish well because I'm tied into you and I'm tied into your will and I'm tied into your purposes for my life. So what I've asked the team to do this morning is to sing those words of commitment. They were actually the Apostles' Creed that I read to you a little earlier. Part of it, modern version of it. But I want us to sing that this morning as we're coming to take the bread and the cup. And we're saying to God, God, I'm tied in. I'm fixed. Oh God, if you're wondering about me, don't wonder any longer. I am absolutely committed to your will, to your purpose and to your destiny. God, I want to finish well. As you take that communion today, don't make it like any other time. Make it a fresh moment of saying, God, I want, with your help, to finish well. 
for your sake, for my family's sake, and for your will and purpose to be done in my life. So let's stand together, friends. The team will lead us in this song. As they lead in us in this song, you can come forward and uh, take uh, the bread and the cup. You can spend time at the altar if you want to or go back to your seat. But right now, right now, make this the moment of commitment of saying, God, I want to finish well. With your help, I will. And give yourself afresh to God this morning and follow him for the rest of your days. Hallelujah. Once you're finished with the cups, you can pass them to the end of your rows and they'll come and collect them. So let's sing and you feel free to come now and take communion. Father, bless the bread and the cup. More than that, I pray that right now, fresh commitments will be made to you from people who are saying, I want to finish well in the name of Jesus.